Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. On Halloween week, the Chiefs played a frightful game in Denver last weekend. And on today's show, beat writer Jesse Newell, along with columnists Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, attempt to explain the inexplicable. We discuss what went wrong with the offense, including quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who didn't have his best day. Also, we look ahead to this week's game against the surging Miami Dolphins and star wide receiver Tyreek Hill. It's Hill's first game against his old teammates. Adding to the game's attraction, it's being played in Frankfurt, Germany. We'll wake up Sunday morning to watch the Chiefs Dolphins. Okay, let's get started with Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian talking Chiefs. One of the good things about recording this podcast a couple days after the game is we get a um, not only a Monday morning quarterback, but just a little extra time to reflect on on what happened in the game. And I, I think that's valuable now because we all had kind of instant reactions after the 24-9 loss to Denver. And, and I think mostly it was seeking out blame for such a you know an indescribable loss. And I'm wondering if anything's changed in the last 48 hours to um, alter your opinion on what went wrong, how things went wrong, who who may have played better or worse than we thought originally. And Sam, I'll start with you. What I, you know, I, I thought your column was really on on target. That we all the obvious problem were the five turnovers, but you really have to look beyond the five turnovers to notice a, a, maybe a bigger, deeper issue with the Chiefs right now. So. So in that context, um, and thinking about it for the last couple of days, is there anything, anything to add to that idea, um, or to, you know, just to, um, yeah, just, just speak to that notion and, um, and and what do you think happened to the Chiefs on Sunday? No, I mean I nailed it right away. So oh, you did, you, you you nailed it, no doubt about a, it. Not a word to change. <laughs> oh, man. Um, why, why are smart people so often misunderstood? <laughs> I can't remember what I texted that about, but it made sense whenever I texted you guys that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, I, mean, I think the Chiefs and I mean, we were talking before we recorded about yesterday, Andy Reid's call. I mean, he did it again yesterday where the first thing he wanted to mention was the turnovers. He did it post game. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling mentioned it. Uh, Jesse talked to McCall Hardman and he takes the blame because he turned the ball over. But like the Chiefs were really bad outside the turnovers as well. I mean, it's one of the worst yards per play they've ever had in the Patrick Mahomes era. Um, and I, I think it'd be great if there was like some sort of really specific thing that, hey, if you just clean up A, then then B happens. But there's a disconnect right now between Patrick Mahomes and his receivers. And there's I, I think we all saw in real time that Patrick Mahomes, as bad as the offensive line looked in the second half, they weren't that bad in the first half. And Mahomes had enough time to throw the ball if only he had options to throw it. And there were times where I think all of us were like, he's got all day. Where's he going to throw it? And I think that's what's going through Patrick Mahomes' head as well. But there's two reasons why. One is the separation, but two is he's got some – instances when you go back and watch the game where he's got guys in one-on-one situations and he just flat out chooses that I don't want to throw the ball there. 
And the one that really sticks out to me is he's got Sky Moore in the first half on a post pattern one on one. And I think there's a lack of trust. And if you if you watch the back end of that replay on the all 22, it looks like he looks towards him briefly, too, and just chooses not to throw it. And later in that half, Russell Wilson throws the same ball to Jerry Judy and it's completion because this guy goes up and gets it. And so I, I I think that there's just a lack of trust that if number 87 is not on the other end of it, that his guy's going to come down with it. And so now you've got this, this cycle of things that's all, you know, combining to form this mixture of, of what we saw with the offense on Sunday. And let's be honest, we, we saw it at its worst on Sunday. We've really only seen the Chiefs at their best, I think, twice this season through eight weeks. It just really manifested Sunday because the special teams was also really bad. The defense wasn't quite as good as what it has been either. I've got uh, on my list of things to talk about. Trusts only Kelsey uh, for Mahomes. He trusts him so much that he 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 Mahomes missed a was it a safety or a linebacker who had the interception. The first interception, we was trying to throw to Kelsey, just um, kind of forced it in there and made a bad decision on that. And I also have no wide receiver separation as well. So, um, yeah, look, I guess my uh, my my wayfaring entry into this whole thing was: should we be assigning a little more responsibility to the loss to Mahomes than to the wide receivers, the offensive line, the running backs who I didn't think had a good game? How much of this should be on Mahomes' shoulders? I, I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll chime in. It. Go ahead, Jesse. Oh, I'll take it real quick. I take it to you. Um, I talked on radio this morning, eight ten, and we had gone over this. Uh, Aaron Schatz, who does the DVOA statistic, uh, he has a measurement that ranks quarterback play every single week, and uh, based off of opponent adjustments. Do you guys want to guess what the number one quarterback performance in the NFL has been this season? Based on those numbers, I'm trying to think. Um, nothing obvious. Was was it Mahomes against Chicago? Mahomes against the Chargers, Week Seven. Do you want to guess what the worst quarterback performance is based on his numbers of the entire season, based on opponent? Don't say Mahomes Week Eight. Mahomes against the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, no, Blair. I think there's something to it. I mean, when I was discussing this on there, I think. A lot of times, because Mahomes is so good, probably still going to win the MVP or potentially at least be in the race, top three. Uh, we've seen so many good things from him. I think there gets to be a point where the finger gets pointed everywhere else besides him after these sorts of games. And I'm with you. I, I, I think he had a bad game. Now, I also said this on radio, which is, which of these am I going to believe? Am I going to believe week seven where Mahomes was the best in the NFL, which is kind of what he's proven to be over the course of the last five years? Or am I going to believe week eight where... The dude was sick. I mean, we have a, like, what is the simplest explanation here of, of what went on? Um, the simplest explanation is Mahomes is not feeling well, good enough for his team. He's obviously still better for the Chiefs uh, than putting in Blaine Gabbert. And he just wasn't himself. I mean, we saw him in warmups. We kind of watched him there. He just wasn't really his peppy self. There was some, I know uh, Sam was talking about watching the All-22 when I was going over some of this with Brett Tabo, um, the analyst that uh, I do with the details every week. There was one play where they're so good just finding each other, uh, Mahomes and Kelsey, just doing things that are kind of off script. And there was a screen pass to Pacheco where the Broncos set a blitz. There were three guys that side. And on the other end, Kelsey just turns around and runs a hitch and he's wide open. And 
Mahomes throws it to Pacheco and he loses three yards. I mean, those are the sorts of things that you can't defend and that Mahomes and Kelsey are so good at. And I just don't think Mahomes was in tune. I, I don't think that it was it was just wasn't his day. And then, as you guys talked about, the defense's motto this year has been doing your job plus. And that's said as a positive, like, I know I can do my job and then I can help my team. And after that, I think when the Chiefs offense goes bad, it's those guys trying to do their job plus. Like Mahomes is trying to get his receivers open and buy time and scramble and do everything because when MBS catches it, he fumbles it. And when he throws a ball to Sky more than catchable, he doesn't catch it. And when Rasheed Rice has a wide open one over the middle, he drops it. So I think when the offense gets bad, it's when those guys are trying to do more than they're capable of instead of relying and kind of trusting on their teammates. And we're going to keep saying trust so much here, but I, I do think it was a bad game for Mahomes. Maybe even the stat you want to talk about, which, uh, Sam, I know you brought up this a lot. Mahomes is so, so, so good at avoiding sacks. So good at avoiding sacks. He took three sacks on Sunday, and that is a very, very rare thing for him, including that strip sack. He hadn't had a fumble lost all season. So I don't think that we got the normal Mahomes. I think there's a very logical explanation for it, which is why I tend to think that these things are going to sort it out sooner rather than later. I Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't really have much to add to that. It's, I do think, though, that, I mean, you, you looked at Patrick and, and Blair and I got down pretty close to the field during warmups and the ball looked like it would usually look. But really, if you got to look in his eyes at it, some some of the camera looks in his eyes, you, you saw a guy who was, you know, a little dead eyed for for what we usually see. And, and I you know, hats off to him for for just there was no doubt he was going to play. On the other hand, you, you just can't dismiss that as as a factor. And especially, Jesse, you illustrated it really well with the contrast from one week to the next. I think you guys might have gotten a better look at it, but my, my recollection is that we saw the tone set early in the game on that first third down play. He is scrambling to his right and running parallel with him. I believe about 17 yards downfield is, I think it was McKinnon dragging across. Normal Patrick, I think, hits that ball, and now you've just got the catalyst to a totally different game. This Patrick is, you know, I just got to get out of bounds or just just didn't see it for one reason or another. So I think I think we can certainly call it an off game for him for one reason or another. The most obvious is that. And um, uh, it, but I do think to everybody else's points that it, it we're we're seeing the the cyclical issue of um, the, the the lack of gelling with the whole receiving group right now as as symptomatic of a of a bigger problem. I mean, I. I thought maybe we'd we'd see some of that get worked through. I think as recently as last week, I I was trying to say that I thought Rice uh, isn't just on his way. He's kind of arrived, and you know, you, you don't arrive if you got a moment like that. That was a thirty or forty yard gain if he hangs on to that one ball. So, so anyway, n nothing more to really add to that. Just uh, that that's what struck me. I think to your intense point that either the receivers aren't an issue or, or I mean either receivers are an issue with separation or they're not an issue with separation and Mahomes thinks it is an issue and he doesn't trust him either way is an issue because right now the quarterback when things go badly he is not delivering the ball to the receiver and uh, we talk so much about NFL open it's really small windows you've got to anticipate and that's why him and Kelsey are so good he is not anticipating these guys getting open he is waiting 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 when he wants them to prove that they're open uh, and, and again whatever way you slice it it's a problem right now but 
you do want to look at the big picture too. And I, I know right after that Chargers game, there were a lot of good feelings around too. Um, this defense is good. The special teams was good and had a big play and the offense was good. So uh, I don't know how, how far you fall off of that. This could still be, and probably still is the most complete team that the chiefs have had under Mahomes, but it definitely was not a good look for one week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, or both. I mean, I, I think both of those things are at play and one contributes to another, as far as the receivers not getting enough separation, the quarterback, not wanting to throw the ball. There's just, I mean, it's pretty evident when you watch the game that there's not a lot of trust between the quarterback and whether it's the receiver running the right route or whether he's going to make a play. Um, and so I, I think next is what the Chiefs should be asking themselves this week is, are they using the right rotation of guys? Um, you know, Sky Moore has had ample opportunity to make a contribution this offense, not just because he's been here a year and a half, but particularly this year, he's second on the team in snaps. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is first on the team in snaps, but I think Marquez can argue that his skill set at least opens things up for the rest of the group. I don't think that Sky Moore can make that same argument. And I think the Chiefs need to ask themselves whether or not he is the answer, uh, particularly at such – look, the X position is a really important spot in the Chiefs' offense. It's kind of what Travis Kelsey stuff builds off of. And I don't think that Sky Moore has given them a whole lot at that position. And I mean, we're, I understand their buy comes after Miami. So that might be the time where they more seriously ask themselves a question about their rotation, particularly with Sky Moore. But I, I warned this whenever McCole Hardman came back that he wasn't going to be taking Sky Moore or Justin Watson snaps. He was going to be eating in to Kadarius Tony's playing time. And that's what's happened. Like Kadarius Tony got, I think, 13 snaps last week. To me, Kadarius Tony has too much talent. If you're talking about a wide receiver room that's struggling, for that guy to still be on the sideline. And I think he's a guy that, look, the Chiefs before the season were telling us that he was probably going to be their number one option this year. And if you thought he had that kind of talent and your room is struggling to where it is to this point, I think you have to re-ask yourself that question. Why did we believe in Kadarius Tony before the season? And what can we do to get that out of him now mid-season when we need him? The Sky Moore drop in the end zone. I mean, it's it, it, it is drop. It looked like it almost looked like an outfielder for a moment who like lost the ball in the lights for a second. You know, just he never seemed it wasn't a drop because he never had control of it, it just went through his arms. It's almost like he didn't know when to close his arms for the, you know, for the ball. It was such an awkward looking play, but, but that's absolutely a play he has to make. And Andy, one quick question on that, Blair, just to interject, Jesse, I, I saw your tweet yesterday. I, we, I was up in the air. I didn't hear Andy's news conference. Andy seemed to suggest that a, the defender's arm got in there and was a factor. I don't know if anybody got to look at it again and, and see it through that lens. I certainly didn't see an arm get in there on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the defender grabs his arm, but it's like, that's still a play that has to be, I, I don't think he makes the play when you go back and watch that, whether or not the defender grabs his arm or not, because he misses the ball on the opposite end. Like he misses his right arm on it. And it's his left arm that gets touched on it. By the way, Blair, they, they still do give him a drop on, on that play. So the chiefs did have three drops. They actually lead the NFL now this season and, and drop passes as well. I think I would call it both ways, guys. Um, so I think this is very strategic from Andy Reid because he knows that Sky Moore is going to get it this week based off of that play. 
he was actually asked about MVS getting dragged down on that final fourth and forever when Mahomes threw the interception. And he brought up Sky Moore unprompted and said, hey, you know, the officials tried to do their best. But if you watch the Sky Moore play, his onside arm got dragged down and, you know, he couldn't make that catch, that sort of thing. So I think it was very strategic for Andy Reid to do that, to defend his guys. It's a smart move to do that, especially on a guy we know. Uh, is going to have a tough week and is going to be uh, wearing a lot of this just because of the most obvious play and him not being able to come down with that ball in a very uh, big moment in the game. But, um, you know, it's hard to not catch. It's hard to catch the ball without two hands. But I think you're right as well. It did not look like he read it very well. And it looked like other things were going on on that particular play. And through all of that, you still want your receiver to go out and, and make a catch on that play. So I think a little bit of both. I mean, if you really are getting your arm grabbed and have one arm to catch it, it's probably difficult. It still seemed like Sky Moore could do more. It also seems like a coach is defending his player when he knows he's going to have a tough week. I, I do think it speaks to the larger thing, which is, you know, I looked this up yesterday, which is contested catches. Like, how many times are the Chiefs making difficult catches? And how many times is the quarterback really throwing the ball in spots to give his his receiver the opportunity to make difficult catches? So Pro Football Focus tracks contested catches. And last season, the Chiefs made 33 contested catches out of 76 opportunities. So both those numbers are 33 total and 43% of their contested catch opportunities they came down with. This year, they're at 10 out of 33. So they're not even a third of the way there. And we are eight games into a 17-game season where they have 10 contested catches all year. Last year, they're at two a game. This year, they're barely more than one. And by the way, that's just 30%. So the total has dropped and the percentage has dropped significantly. And that's why I say I think you know what Jesse said, there could be two things at play. I think it's both. I think it's the he, Mahomes knows that his receivers are not making these plays, and therefore he he trusts them less and less. And I just think you're seeing this snowball effect to where I do think that's part of what happened on Sunday, where he's not throwing the ball as frequently. And, and by the way, I'll point out that of those contested catches, the Chiefs have ten this year. Travis Kelsey has four, and Justin Watson has three. The rest of the entire receiving core, that means wide receivers outside of Justin Watson, has combined for three contested catches in eight games this season. What a great stat, all of it. I wanted to – I'm glad you mentioned Justin Watson because I – he you know, after missing a game last week with an elbow contusion, he returned and made another nice catch down the uh, – about a 35 – I forgot what the distance was, but a nice catch. He seems to be talking about – players that Mahomes trust, he does seem to continue to trust Justin Watson on deep balls. And I um I, I think of the you know MVS is a player who should be in that position but doesn't appear to be and 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 the fumble the other the fumble Sunday on his part was just a terrible play. Can't happen. Um McCole Hardman had another can't happen play with the fumble punt that he should never have fielded in the first place. And um, just a kind of a maddening day for, you know, from a Chiefs perspective, just with those plays. So, Doesn't the Justin Watson thing speak to maybe where Mahomes' mind is, though? Because Justin Watson, if nothing else, is in the right spot. He picks – he like, he reads the defense, I think, as well as any wide receiver, you know, taking Travis Kelsey out of that just wide receiver. And so that's why I think it, it it's indicative of what Patrick Mahomes is thinking because I think part of the – um calculus here is that he's not entirely sure that his his other receivers are going to be in the right spot it's not just about throwing to tight windows it's about 
is this guy going to read this play the same way that I do? We see how many times he uses the scramble drill, and that's reliant on just seeing this things the same way a receiver does. And I think if nothing else, on that page with him. Okay, let's talk a little bit uh, about the, the ramifications of the uh, Willie Re uh, Willie Gay uh, his injury. We we didn't get an update, Jesse. Did we on uh, on, on Willie Gay's tailbone? I guess his tailbone miss missed the last few minutes of the game because of it. Chiefs already down. Nick Bolton. I I see trouble of brewing on defense if if Willie Gay is out too, and they're and they're down Bolton and and Gay as good as Drew Tranquil played. And he did play well on on Sunday. Um, Chiefs might be looking at a little bit of trouble on defense, which has been the side of the ball, been more reliable already this year. Yeah, not as dynamic, not as deep, obviously. Um, and I think, think, look, I mean, this is a pretty high octane Dolphins offense in a lot of different ways, and and uh, I, I think it is a it's a great point of concern. I don't really know how they how they kind of massage around this. I mean, it's one thing with just Bolton out, you could scheme a little bit. You could, I think, have just more resources to try to make this work. But I, I'd be interested to know what you guys think they'll do if if it comes to that. Well, I, I think this is a better matchup because um, Denver was going to run the football. And that, right? I mean, I put this in my preview. That that hurts when Nick Bolton's out. You know what I mean? Like that's for Nick Bolton thrives. He kind of saved the Chiefs the previous week against the Chargers. Uh, we went over that in the detail with Brett Tavo, where the Chiefs were off a gap. They had, they didn't have enough run stoppers on a certain play, and it should have gone for 20 or 30 yards on a third and two, and instead Nick Bolton beats a block and makes the tackle, and he saves the Chiefs. Uh, the Dolphins are different, man. Like, they are. <laughs> they are going to throw the football. They And I know they run it well, too, but uh, they're all about speed and, um, you know, getting those receivers downfield. So, I think you're probably looking at multiple safeties for the Chiefs. You're looking at figuring out different ways personnel-wise to, to kind of mask that. I think one positive, if you look at the PFF grades, is Jack Cochran came in and had some good snaps for the Chiefs, which is something that they really didn't rely upon when Nick Bolton was out the first time. They really didn't play him that much. They just kind of left Drew Tranquil out there on his own. And I think some of that was needed or had to happen because Drew Tranquil went left with an injury uh, against the Broncos as well. But I, I think that's a little bit encouraging for them to have him in there. You hope Willie Gay comes back, but... Uh, especially with the matchup like the Dolphins, you know they're going to throw it around the park. You're probably looking a lot more of a, the three safety looks and getting more defensive backs on the field. And honestly, that probably plays up to the Chiefs' advantages. All right, if I'm looking at the clock correctly, there is uh, about five minutes left in the trade deadline until the trade deadline uh, period ends. Uh, as far as we know, Chiefs haven't made a deal yet, but there were some big deals today. How about the the Washington Commanders trading both Montez Sweat and Chase Young, um, Young to the 49ers and and Sweat to the to the Chicago Bears. A lot of a lot of you know a loss like the one to Denver, which by the way came against the 32nd ranked defense. I don't think we mentioned that. Um, Chiefs no touchdowns against the 32nd ranked defense and a team they'd beaten you know two weeks earlier. But anyway. Um, should the Chiefs, could the Chiefs, with their cap situation, have made a deal for a wide receiver? That was the, that was the spec. It's been the speculation, but not terribly informed speculation. Um, just sort of fan talk. It wasn't going to work out, was it? To to get a a, a DeAndre Hopkins, uh, somebody else in here, Jesse. It was just it wasn't going to work out cap wise. 
Well, here's the fun part about the podcast. If it does, then you'll never hear this. So <laughs> the listeners will never hear this podcast. We'll have to redo the whole thing. And uh, this will never be in existence. It'll be a five uh, minute, just a five minute blank space, which <laughs> with, this pod, with this podcast is quality time. You know, back to the old inspector. Watergate tapes. <laughs> inspector Gadge growing up, this this message will self-destruct. Uh, this podcast would have self-destructed. No, I mean, I think I think Sam can speak to this. He's been on the ball with this all along. Um, just that a couple different things here. For one, the Chiefs are not going to harm their long-term window for short-term gains. And they're not going to put themselves where they don't get draft picks or, or to sacrifice high ones just to try to go chase one particular Super Bowl because their visions are much bigger than this. I mean... Last year, they took that small step back for the future, and heck, they went and won the Super Bowl anyway. So I think that's the, where you start with this. But the other part is, I mean, we talk about trust, we talk about confidence, we talk about chemistry. I just don't think you're going to bring in a receiver mid-year into a complicated Chiefs offense and, and get what you need from that. You, you're not going to get a DeAndre Hopkins to have that trust, confidence, all those sorts of things with Patrick Mahomes when he's learning a playbook that's super complex. So uh, I can throw it to Sam, too, on this one, but I, I just think that it really didn't make much sense ever uh, for the Chiefs to grab a receiver unless it was going to be like a Kadarius Tony thing last year where they signed a guy who's, you know, buy low off of a rookie deal, still on his rookie deal, trying to kind of build for the future. Or if it literally was Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, a guy that knows your offense, you can bring in and you basically bring back your entire receiving core from last year and say, roll that thing back and see how it works. But uh, outside of those two, I, I don't really see anything makes much sense for the Chiefs. And I don't see them especially uh, trying to chase something short term when their their long term goal is to win multiple Super Bowls, not just one. And they already did, Sam. Did they? Would they brought in McCole Hardman? They made their move at wide receiver. Yeah, I mean it, it's different than the off season conversation with like a player like DeAndre Hopkins because you're not spending the same financial resources, but you are spending draft resources. Um, so it's it's like the same question, but there's a little bit different reasons for maybe arriving at the same answer which is, you know, the two things that Jesse touched on. I mean, the, the Chiefs have built their team. They're one of the reasons they're, they're six and two after winning a Super Bowl last year is because they built through the draft. A lot of their guys, you know, I mean, when you trade a third round pick, you don't just trade a third round pick or whatever round it is. You don't just trade them for the next season. You trade four years of control. You trade a player for four seasons for potentially getting better, but for eight, eight, nine games. And, I think it actually speaks most to where the Chiefs are. We know the Bills were trying to trade for a cornerback. We know some other contending teams. I mean, the 49ers had three bad weeks on defense and decided they had to go get Chase Young. Um, so I, I think it what we see on most of these trade, trade deadline days, because, I mean, look, there's the narrative that the Chiefs don't do anything on trade deadline days. They have. I mean, they went out and got Melvin Ingram a couple years ago. Like, they've had, they got Terrell Suggs a year before. They've gotten – some guys that they feel like help them. Um, but it's not just these massive swings that do alter their future. And the trade deadline, like I said, it, it speaks to the difference in where the Chiefs are compared to the rest of the league because the rest of the league feels like they have to take those big swings. Like they've got to be X amount better than the, than the team that has Patrick Mahomes because that's that's the route it's going to take to to win it all. Miami Dolphins are the opponent on Sunday. At 8.30 a.m. Central Time, uh, where you guys will be in Frankfurt. Uh, so is it 3.30? Is it a 3.30 afternoon kick? Is that, is that right? Okay. Um, 
fascinating opponent. I did a little thing t- earlier today on why it's the Dolphins and not another opponent that the Chiefs are playing. A- a- attractive opponent. Um, it makes sense when you break it down, but it's just a little unfortunate that these are a couple of six and two teams, top two teams in the AFC, and it's probably the most attractive game from that standpoint that that uh, the NFL has ever played overseas or an international game. But uh, here it is, uh, Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs, the Tyreek Hill Bowl. Um, uh, that, that'll be I, – I, I'm hoping that you guys will get to talk to Tyreek Hill in, in Frankfurt on Friday. I trust that'll happen. He's been kind of mouthy about uh, – um, about the the aftermath of the the trade, hadn't he, Vahe? He's he keeps, you know, every every time someone asks him about it, he'll you know he sounds kind of bitter, and that's different than what the very initial reaction was from him on this. Well, I mean, really, if you look back at a couple things here, I, what was his podcast called for a while? The, it had to be said. Really, it, it doesn't have to be said, and I I think that uh. I, I think he kind of it, it shows a little bit of uh, I don't know if it's revisionist history, but I think um, it, it, it just stirring it up to stir it up for stirring it up sake with with this. If 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 I remember correctly and, and you guys were all there, please correct me on this. I do believe the Chiefs were doing their darndest to try to accommodate a pretty substantial tra- uh, contract. And then the market changed and then it was. Tyreek Hill was pretty insistent that it was going to be um, this exorbitant contract or he, he didn't want to sign and the chiefs accommodated him. I think you could call this trade win-win. Um, I realize it would be nice to have Tyreek Hill in the chief's uniform right now, as we're talking about all these things, but you know, they did win a super bowl last year without him, And in a way, not just without him, but because of what they got through him. So I, you know, I just think it's a little petty of Tyree Kill to be that way. On the other hand, it's good for, for notebooks, and um, you know, we'll we'll take what the defense gives us or the offense in this case. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm looking forward, like I said, looking forward to hearing what he has to say on Friday because this is the first meeting between the Hills Dolphins and, and the Chiefs since since the trade. All right, so. Um, Deutsche Bank Park is the name of the stadium in Frankfurt. I understand it's a retractable roof stadium, and um, and if the if the press is seated, uh, if the press box isn't large enough to accommodate everybody, then maybe uh, they're and it's raining, which is in the forecast for Sunday. Maybe you won't get wet. So got that going for you. I, Sam, you are fully conscious of this, but I, I think what's the opposite of retract? I think we want that roof tracted because it evidently we've got rain in the forecast and the press box blare, as we understand it, is actually in the stands. So I don't know where the, where how you protect the laptop exactly in such circumstances, uh, but there is a German press corps. They've probably figured out a path to it. We'll just have to follow the lead. Sam or Jesse, any uh, other logistical concerns like that? No, I've got absolutely no concerns whatsoever about this trip, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good to hear. And on that note, uh, we'll bid farewell uh, and bon voyage to Jesse Newell, Sam McDowell, and Vahe Gregorian, who are winging their way to Germany here in the next day or so. Thanks, guys. 
That will do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for producing the episode and to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Jesse Newell, and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights. Did you know that we had a sports equinox earlier this week? It's the only day of the year when Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, and NHL all played on the same day. All of it was covered in the morning sports edition along with the Chiefs, KU, Mizzou, K-State, Sporting KC, the KC Current, and so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City.